Day nine, Genesis 33 through 36. Once again, all right, this is a story. So in order for us to make sense of what goes on in these three chapters, we're actually going to have to cheat and touch on something that we didn't touch on last time, and that's Genesis chapter 32. So Jacob wrestles with God. What does that mean? Yeah. So when Jacob wrestles with God, he literally has an encounter with God, right? And so he literally says that in the text, um, but he comes to a point where he wants a blessing from him, right? And so I think here the text is it's so much packed in Genesis 32. It's amazing. But the fact, the, the point in this text, I think he's trying to show is that you cannot scheme your way out of this one. You can't. Right? Yep. You can't scheme your way out of this right. one, Jacob. You uh, need me. You need right. my blessing. Uh-huh. And actually, I'm going to give you a sign of your own physical weakness. Right. Right. To where you walk away with a limp. Right. Right. To show you that I have to protect you. Uh, that I have to provide the blessing from you. That I have to keep you from your enemies. Right. Namely, your brother in this, in this section. And so when the text uh, talks about this section, it literally says his name was changed to Israel. Mm. Right. And so what this is, what people was like, this is like a conversion. Right. We see Jacob, the schemer. Turning into Jacob the saint, right? The right. one who is uh, one of the patriarchs of our faith. And yeah, like God changes him here and he tries to, and he seeks to uh, send a gift to his brother. Right. Now, the crazy thing that's hard to, to catch in, in the English yeah. is the fact that the word gift in the original language, it literally has the same root as the word of birthright. Right. So what Jacob is trying to do, he's trying to make like restitution. He's like, I know I messed over my bro. So right. guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to try to give the birthright back. Right. That's why it says he tries to give him 550 animals. Right. Right. So he's got bread. He's good. Right. He's like, yeah, I'm going yeah, yeah. to I'm gonna try to give it back to you. Hey, you I got to. And yeah, then yo, what and happens? So here, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so here's where, where things change, right? Most yep. of the time, if you've heard this story, it's painted as if, oh yeah, he uh, he stole it, his brother was trying to kill him, but after years and years and years of not being able to kill him, uh, that grudge that he had just magically went away, and fam, that ain't real life. Mm. Grudges don't just vanish. Real Grudges quick. grow, yeah. My G, it's been 20 years. <laughs> 20 years, grudges 20 years. grow. Some of y'all are mad at people and y'all don't even remember what they did, right? He mm. remembers grudges growing. So here's what we have. Remember in Genesis 32, Jacob prays that God would change his heart and he tries to scheme his way out of this thing. And do you know what you get in Genesis 33? Jacob's scheme don't work. Yeah. Esau rose up on him before he got all of the stuff. But do you know what? Esau's heart has changed. Yeah. His heart has changed towards him. Y'all, grudges do not vanish. Mm. The only person that changes hearts is God. So this is not just like, it's not that Jacob prayed and he really didn't have to pray because his brother's grudge went away. I think we look at this and we have to go back to Genesis 32 and say, yo, Jacob's prayer worked. Jacob prayed for God's grace to change his heart, and God did it. That's powerful, y'all. Super powerful. Yeah. And yeah, like the God, and we say it all the time, bro. I feel like we said it so much. Like God, the best way is to uh, get rid of your enemy is to make them your friend. You know mm, yeah. Saying? And like as we see God here taking two enemies and making them friends, and that was his power. That was God's doing, right? right? Yeah. And the text makes that clear. Yeah. Um, and, so, and so then everything seems to be all good, John. Like 
Everything seems to be all good. And then it Genesis seems to be all good. Comes. And then 34, one of the saddest chapters in the Bible. And you just see this person that God chose that is exemplifying this faith is proving to be imperfect. Here's what takes place in Genesis 34. Uh, Jacob is concerned with his reputation in this town. Jacob has one daughter, Dinah. Dinah ends up getting raped. Jacob mm -hmm. knows that she got raped and Jacob passively doesn't do anything about it. He seems cool, calm, and collected. And it seems like humility. And, but then his sons come through and his sons hear this, having seen an injustice done to their sister and the person who was in charge of protecting their sister does nothing about the injustice they take justice into their own hands. And mind you, they go too far, right? Mm. Um, Edmund Burke says this, the only thing that's needed for evil to triumph in the world is for good men to do nothing. Mm. Jacob does yeah, nothing. His sons take things too far. And then in Exodus 34, or Genesis 34, 30, what you'll see at the end of the day, Jacob has been cool and calm with everybody else, and he reserves his anger, not for the people that committed the injustice, but Preach. for his sons who took their justice too far. He reserves his anger for them, and seven times in one verse, he's going to use a first-person pronoun. So his daughter has been raped. His sons take justice too far, and the main concern the person that he's the most concerned about is him. Yeah. My reputation. I, I, I. And you see this preoccupation with himself. And so it's just this crazy thing. God came through for him in this very, very rich way. And Jacob is overly concerned with himself once again. Yo, mm. God is so gracious. He chooses the least likely candidates. And even after God chooses us and shows us, his grace, we still struggle with the besetting sin that is inside of us. It seems to like it seems, man, like Moses in writing this and God is trying to show us that every time it seems like we can celebrate a character, right? They fall. They make yeah. a mistake. Abraham mm. gets declared righteous in 15, falls in 16. Right. You know, Isaac uh get uh gets the son he finally wants, and then in 26, he, you know, lies on his wife. And then yep. here Jacob reconciles with his brother, is changed, wrestled with God, all this good stuff. And then his daughter, he sits back passively while right. his, when his daughter, yeah, when something happens to his daughter, when yeah. he's the head of the tribe, he's the head of the clan, and he is Man. supposed to take care of all of these things. And the text is clear that it keeps saying Jacob's sons. Jacob's sons. To show that like, yo, it's his children that took the, the matters right. into their hands when it should have yeah. been Jacob. Right? Father. Yeah. And then it says, the text says that they were deeply grieved, Simeon and Levi. They were deeply right. grieved. This is the same verb used when God flooded the earth. Right. Mm. So his brothers are angry, angry, right? Rightfully think, so. Right, right, right. But this is a righteous indignation. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think the text is trying to show us that. Like right, God was right. righteously angry when he flooded. Yeah. And so, again, though, the thing about anger and revenge, they take it on as revenge and they go too far. Right. And that, again, when we keep in keeping with the theology of Genesis, that could have led to the seed being destroyed. Right. Right. Yeah. That could have yeah. led to their whole clan. All right. 
you know, being wiped out because they take it too far and destroy the whole city when then Jacob should have rightfully so discerned and used wisdom and how to go about the situation. Yeah, but God continues to protect them like God does. That's what God does. God protects. Um, yeah. And yeah, there's so much more here, but our time's nearing towards an end. Here's what you'll see at the end of this section. Mm. Genesis 36, 31, what we have is another progress report, right? There's gems in the genealogies, like Keith said. Uh, Genesis 36, 31, it gives this whole little chapter about Esau's family. And in 31, it's going to say this. Uh, These are the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before any king reigned over the Israelites. All right. At Mm. the end of Abraham's life, he has two kids. He has to send one away. His brother Nahor has 12 kids. It looks like God made the wrong choice. Isaac's life at the end. He has two kids. One wants to kill the other. Ishmael has 12 kids. It looks like he made the wrong choice. Here at the end of his uh, or life, or as things pan out, Esau and Jacob both have 12 kids. Oh, it looks like God's finally starting to catch up. But then it brings out this point. Esau's kids were kings or they had kings in the land before Israel. So it always looks like God is behind the curve. It always seems like God made the wrong choice, but we have to be reminded, y'all, we walk by faith and not by sight, right? God will be vindicated at the end, even if in the meantime, it feels like God is behind uh, the eight ball. So I just want y'all to be reminded, wherever you are in your life right now, um, it is not the end of your story. It is the meantime. And so even if God looks like he's behind the eight ball, you can be confident because that's what God does. That's how God works. Yeah. Yeah. He operates.